Bless this praise team this morning. Didn't they do awesome? Praise God. Amen. We again say to all the dads, happy Father's Day to you, to the granddads. Amen. Let's don't forget them. The foster dads, the spiritual dads, the stepdads. Did I leave anybody out? Oh, all dads. Amen. We, we, uh, we bless you today and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible want to turn with us, we're going to go to the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 13, and uh, actually beginning in verse 1, I'm not going to start there, but he, Jesus is telling a parable, and uh, it is a very familiar parable of the sower, and we're entitling this The Sower, and I'll talk to you about why that that's the title. But um, I would say to you that I do think this is an abused parable. Uh, when I say abused, I mean just a lot of liberty is taken by ministers with this and applications are made that sometimes are not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, intentional maybe, but just a, a lack of paying close attention to what the word says. Actually, you know, sometimes people say that Jesus taught in parables because he was trying to make the truth, you know, clearer to them. And that's not what the Bible says. Actually, the reason that he taught in parables was to conceal truth from them who were not yet ready to receive it. And uh, because this is not a head knowledge thing, this is a heart faith. And, uh, and in fact, uh, we will look in verse 10 of Matthew uh, chapter 13, and he, that's when he's asked why his disciples said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus said to them, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. And then he says a strange thing in verse 12, for whoever has to him what? More will be given. They already have, but Jesus said whoever has to him will be given more. And then who, and he will have in abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, how many knows that doesn't make sense to us? Because we think Jesus is Robin Hood. We think he robs from the rich and, you know, gives to the poor. Or he equally divides among everybody. But that's not what the scripture teaches. In fact, even over and over, Jesus taught this in parables in the talents he took the one that just had the one and gave it to the guy that had ten. And, uh, and, and that's, people don't understand that because they don't understand the kingdom and how the kingdom of heaven uh, operates. And so what does that mean to him who has more will be given and him who does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him? Well, it's like this. If we had a marriage conference today, the people that come to the marriage conference are not the people that necessarily need to come. The ones just ducking plates and throwing salt shakers at each other, they don't come to marriage conferences. But them who has, more will be given. They'll come and improve in their marriage and things like that. Amen? That's one of the applications of this, this truth, this thing that Jesus is saying. And then in verse 18, he says, Therefore hear the parable of the what? The sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown where? In his heart. Now, where does the word of God go? It goes in your heart. Now, I realize it has to go through your head to get to your heart. But with Matthew, uh, Romans 10 says, with the heart man believes. So, again, this is not a head 
This is a heart. And so when we hear the word of God and we don't understand, we don't understand it, then the enemy is going to immediately come, if you don't understand it, and snatch it out of your heart because the heart is deceit where change really comes in a person. You're not changed until your heart changes. Okay? And he snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word of, of God. He immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when, not if, but when. Notice it's not if. But when tribulation or persecution arises. Now why will tribulation and persecution arise? Because of what? Of the word what? The word of God. God's word that you say you believe must be tried in you. The word that God's given you must be tried in you. So there will be persecution and there will be things that will come against you, tribulation, because of the word that you carry on the inside of you. And if you relinquish that hope within you during that testing time, that's that time where everything looks the opposite of what you've been promised, then it says immediately he stumbles. Now that's not losing your salvation or anything like that, but you stumble and you're, you're, you're tripped up and you're, you're obtaining what God has promised you. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares of this world. There's not nothing wrong, but just the cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And what happens to this person? They become unfruitful. But he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word, he understands it, and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And, uh, and, that, and, and most of the time, and I'm going to just highlight a couple of things, but most of the time when you guys have heard sermons preached on the sower, the parable of the sower, then you hear a lot of applications uh, made about the seed. The Bible is so crystal clear, we're not the seed. I heard a preacher just you know, sometime back preaching and said that we're the seed. He didn't read the Bible. The Bible actually says the word is the, the word of God, that is the seed. So the seed, there's nothing wrong with the seed. Okay? But you and I are not the seed. God's word is the seed. All right, and then we hear this about, you know, well, that's good soul. And then immediately, you know what we do? Because we love stuff like this. Y'all sit down, I'll talk to you a little bit. Just sit down. You, you know what we do? When we hear, we hear this, then we, we immediately want to, you know, we want to be good seed or good soul. So the, so the good seed, the word of God, can go in good soul. And then you know what we do? We immediately try to figure out how to be good soul. And we hear a lot of sermons where preachers are trying to tell you how to be a good soul or the things you need to do. And I realize that Jesus, he does draw attention. So I'm not saying we should ignore it. But this parable is not about the seed even, and it's not about the soul, which we're the soul. We're the ones that receive the seed. Or let me say it like this, the soul is the condition of our heart. Maybe we could say that. But this parable is not about the seed primarily and is primarily not about the soul. Because, see, when we hear stuff, if we're not careful, we immediately focus on us. But this parable ain't about you or me, but it's about the sower. Twice Jesus starts out and he says, hear this parable about the sower. 
This is a parable about the sower. Who is the sower? God. Hear this parable about the sower. Jesus is trying to tell us something about the sower. He's not trying. Jesus in nowhere in this parable did he tell anybody or exhort anybody or encourage anyone to try to be good soul. And as soon as an American-minded Christian hears that you can produce, if you're good soil, 30, 60, and even a hundredfold return, then you immediately try to start figuring out where you fit in the picture. Because we love to categorize. <laughs> we love to figure out where we are. And then we love to judge other people that I'm better soul than they are. Or would they say they're, they're not even good soul. They're rocky soul. They're Hard soul. They're tangled up with the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of his work. I'm good soul. I've had preachers trying to tell you, you know, to just declare that you're a good soul. And so we get all the attention and all the focus on us. And that's when we miss, and that's what Jesus is talking about. You don't understand. Why can't you just stop trying to make everything about you for a minute? And let's talk about the sower. Isn't that a little different twist on this? But I'm not twisting it. I'm just calling it back to what Jesus said it was. Now, this is not the way you plant or sow. Here in, in where we live, we, you know, it's more like planting. Nobody, you know, it's, but, but it's the same thing. And actually, if, if you look at this, the sower sowed the seed, the word that they translate in English sowed means to scatter, to scatter the seed. And we don't really plant that way most of the time. Um. And here it seems that the sower is doing, he's casting the seed in a haphazard, random, maybe even careless way. And any good sower knows where to put the seed that is going to produce a harvest. And he doesn't waste seed on ground that he knows is not going to bear harvest or be, uh, you know, unproductive. He knows what soil to avoid, is my point. But here this sower, who is God, in, a, in, in utter abandonment, casts seed everywhere, every which way. I want you to see something here. He just throws seed everywhere. And people would say, well, he's just wasting good seed. He's just throwing it any old place and... Isn't it something, isn't it amazing, isn't it hopeful that the sower believes in the possibility of harvest even in unexpected places? Man, my, my hairs are pushing my coat out of my, off my arms right now. And that ain't air conditioning. That's God the Holy Ghost saying, preach, boy. Because <laughs> he likes it when I talk about the Father. In a proper way. He just throws seed everywhere. Just throws it everywhere. Because God believes that harvest can come from places that other people would never even cast a seed. God is saying that every one of you are worthy of the seed of his word, of the investment of his word being placed in you. It's not just the good people, the good soul, 
Y'all just let me know when I start preaching. But it's not just the good people that get the word of God, the good soul. It's the hard heart, stony places, thistles and thorns and briars and all kind of entanglements in their life. God says, here, here's the word of God for you. He throws it to everybody. You can't stop the grace of God. The grace of God has appeared to all men. God's thrown it in every place, everything. And people would accuse God of just being just, that's just crazy. And he's wasting stuff. God ain't wasting anything. If you would see yourself, I don't care what the condition of your heart is. God said there's not one of you that is unworthy of my word. And the word of God in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So God's, it's not just a, a page out of the Bible that God's throwing. It's himself. God said, I, I put the word on you. Stony hard places and trodden down places and places that nobody else would, would sow or plant or, or even dare to cast the word or even believe for a harvest or a return to productivity. And that's God's grace. And it tells us something amazing about the sower. I'm not like I got smart, but that's a little bit different story of the parable. Now, sure, there's things that you can do to help be fruitful in your life, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things. But I'm just saying, get out of the, the sower doesn't look at soul as good or bad. He doesn't view the world through that lens of religion. But he, 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 he views it, and he views you from his heart. All three of these songs were amazing that they sung today. And, and, and I, I know it's Father's Day, and, I, and I'm thankful they chose those songs. But, it's, but revealing the heart, that's why Jesus came. He came to reveal the heart of a father to an orphan planet that needed to know what a father was. Nobody knew what, that God was a father. They, in the Old Covenant, it was just God. It was thunder and smoke and lightning on Mount Sinai. But Jesus came to show us the invisible God. And he, and he embodied him, and, and he said, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And he said, I am the exact representation of the Father. The Father's not different than me. I, the, this is the Father. This is how he treats people. This is how he is. This is the Father. You know, we look at things so differently. I, I remember this story of... Uh, this lady, and some of you are old enough to remember when people hung their clothes out on the line. Clothesline. Google it, y'all figure out. Well, <laughs> not now, but later. Remember that? And you hang the clothes out on the line to dry. And, um, and this lady kept watching her neighbor from time to time when she would do the wash. She would hang her clothes out all on her line, and the neighbor would look out, and she would say, you know, to her husband, just comment, you know, in the mornings. I mean, she would say, you know, our neighbor, she, she just doesn't know how to do laundry. It's terrible. It's, it's dingy. It's gray. It's, the, the whites are not white. It's just pitiful. She, somebody needs to teach that woman how to do laundry. And she'd make that comment. And, and she did this from time to time over several weeks when that lady would do the laundry. And one morning she got up and she looked out and the lady was hanging out of clothes and, and they were just pristine and wonderful and bright and white and the whites were white and the colors were good. And it was just beautiful. And she said, she finally, I guess somebody finally taught her how to do laundry. And her husband said, no, I got up early this morning and I cleaned our windows. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Amen. See, it's not what the neighbor is doing because everything's not like you think it looks. It's what you're looking through to see what you're looking at. And that affects us. Amen. The lens that we look through. And it doesn't matter if you're looking at God or if you're looking at me or looking at the church or looking at one another or maybe even looking at your literal physical neighbors. Maybe our windows need cleaning. Maybe it's what we're looking through. Maybe it's the hurts that we're looking through. Maybe it's the things that's been done to us that have happened to us that's causing us to have a wrong view of the person that we're looking at. You know, there's, there, there's so much negativity in this world. I really should get back to my notes and preach what I brought, but this is feeling pretty good. So I'm staying up here to kind of resist the temptation to read that iPad. But, you know, most of us know the story when, when Moses sent the 12 spies into what God had promised them, their inheritance, their promised land. Now, you and I have promises from God all in the Bible. He sends 12 spies. There's 2 to 3 million Israelites that have been promised that inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey, just wonderful things, grapes as big as basketballs, literally. And they've been promised all of that. And so they send in 12 spies just to make sure God's not lying. <laughs> just to validate his word. You know, it's, how we do it is we want confirmation. <laughs> we want to fleece God. Anyway, that's another sermon. But 10 spies are negative. 10 out of 12. That's about average. About 80% of the people that you'll meet today are negative. About 80% of the people that you talk with on Facebook, that you meet in person, they are negative, and they are influenced by a negative world. If you listen to the news every day, all day, or very long every day, you're going to be a negative, depressed, oppressed person. That's why years ago, for the most part, I, I, I quit listening to any news. Other than what I have to, I, I just don't do it. Now you do it, have, you know, help yourself. But it just don't work for me no more. I know this one guy that used to listen to talk radio. He would drive a considerable length to work day in and day out, and always he he would listen to talk radio where they're always arguing about uh, politics and all this stuff. And and he just was angry all the time. Started having health problems. And a simple cure he did was switched off his satellite radio. And all of a sudden, over the course of the next few I'm not making this up, over months, he got better. He even got better physically. Just from stop pouring negative stuff inside him. It only took two, uh, I mean, ten spies that were negative to keep out two to three million people from their promises. How many negative people does it take to keep you out of what God promised you? Why you want to go to somebody and get advice from somebody about depth of spiritual things or that's never, don't even know what they're talking about? People go to the dumbest situations, I didn't say people, to get advice on something. I mean, don't go to the guy that don't know what they're talking about. Don't ask a person how to build a ministry if they ain't never built a ministry. You can go to a Christian bookstore, and there's all kinds of books on how to grow a church. These people ain't never had a church. Don't tell me how to do something you ain't never done. 
Well, I researched it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I don't, it's ridiculous. But two of those 12 were positive. They said, we're well able to take the land. We can do what God told us. Pastor Keith mentioned this in his message a few weeks ago. He said, they're our bread. <laughs> you know, but what did they do? They do what most Americans do. They took a vote. You know, majority rules, right? Majority fools. Ten said no. Two said yes. The ten get it. So then what happened to those people? They got to walk around in the desert for 38 more years. Did the promise of God go away? No, it just went to their kids. Sometimes the reason you're circling, going over the same old problems, the same old thing over and over, it's not because God didn't want you to have it. It's just because you didn't believe. You just keep going in circles. You just keep going in circles. And a circle doesn't end. Right? And, 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 and so you, you have to separate yourself from the negativity that's all around you. Now, there's a reason that God told Abram to leave thy country in Genesis 12, leave your country, leave your kin, folks, leave all this behind, and go to a land that I will show you. And I'm going to bless you there tremendously. And then it says, and Lot went with him. It actually says the verse before that, it says, and Abram obeyed the word of the Lord. And then the next verse says, and Lot went with him. Boy, God's got a sense of humor. You don't believe that? Now, God told you, don't take your kin, people, but Abram allowed Lot to go with him. And he was going to come to dread that decision because he's going to have a lot of problems because of his nephew, Lot, now. And you've heard me say it, and I know it's a play on words, but I didn't make up all these names. But a lot goes with us, too. So it ain't that you marry them, you can marry everything that goes with the girl. You get a lot. In other words, you get the family. You get, if you're marrying somebody in debt, you get all their debt. <laughs> a lot goes with them. Now, they go on into the promised land. God says, don't care your family. And, and here he cares the family anyway, and God still loves him. And God's blessing you. But you're going to have some problems because you don't listen good. Or if you listen good, you just don't obey. You go, I'm going to do it my way, God, but appreciate the advice. And so now Lot gets captured by the enemy. Abram feels responsible because I'm his uncle. He has to gather up, you know, uh, an army, train people under his hand, and he goes after these, these, these armies. Now, it's really supernatural because there was actually five, five armies that come together, and they took, they took Lot and all the possession, everything, and, and, and God blesses Abram to capture, uh, you, know, all, you know, Lot. And they didn't lose anybody or anything. All the possessions came back. And God's blessing their socks off, so to speak. And, but then before long, the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham are arguing over land and stuff like that. And Abraham says, I don't want no problems with you. You just pick the place and I'll choose, you know, what's left over. So Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. Y'all ever heard of that place? Bad decision. It's going to come a firestorm there and he didn't know it. But he chooses that place and right after that, God's sitting there and he's like, Come here, boy, hop up on my lap. Abram, come here. God's like, man, I love that heart. You don't want no problems. You're not fighting for anything. You know, ultimately, you know, the blessing comes from me, and not, that guy can't stop it. 
So he said, I want you to look around, Lot, and everything that you can see with your eyes, look to the north, south, east, and west, it's all yours. Well, Papa, I thought he just picked. God said, don't worry about what he picked. I got you. Everything you can see is yours. And, and, and but, but when you, that's why I, you, some of you probably saw my blog I had just put out just a couple of days ago. It just, it's just been on me. And, you know, I entitled it, and, you know, Get Off My Boat. And, uh, man, I put these blogs out and I get some comments. I didn't get as many out of that one as I did the one that says the Holy Spirit is not convicting you. Boy, the Pharisees came out in droves on that one. And I know I, I picked titles to aggravate the religious and to make people curious enough to read it. And, uh, you know, I love when those Pharisee preachers get on there to correct, you know, my misunderstandings. And they said, why don't you reply? I don't have time for that. And I'm not talking to you, law lovers. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Jesus Christ is the end of the law to them that believe. And I don't need rules and regulations. I just need a brand new life that he gave me. I didn't, I didn't give my life to the Lord when I got saved because I didn't have no life to give him. All I had was death, sin, and hell. And Jesus caused me to be born again and resurrected me. The law is like 4,000 years of law. And, and, and people that love the grace of God, they just don't understand. Abraham. Abraham predates the law. Law didn't come to Moses. So from Genesis all the way to we get Moses, you're seeing grace. Jesus didn't turn, you know, God didn't turn into a grace preacher when Jesus came. And so Abraham does, and, and a lot of people in the Old Covenant, listen, they've done all kind of sinful, stupid stuff. Abraham pimps out his wife. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, he knows, he says, listen, now I want you to lie for me. Now, when we get in there, this Pharaoh is going to see you, and he's going to see how fine you look. Because, baby, you are fine as wine. You know what I'm talking about? And he's going to say, I want her. And he's going to take you. So when he takes you, tell him that I'm not your husband, I'm your brother. Is that in the Bible? If y'all read it, see, y'all can say, man, that speed the sermons up. And he says, I want you to lie and say you're not my wife, you're my sister. Jesus, what kind of woman must she be in? Sister Jill went, went for that. <laughs> she, she'd be doing all that right there. She'd <laughs> tell you something. <laughs> the color me gone. <laughs> you know, whatever, I miss you. So he does that to her to save his hide. God never rebukes him. He lies that same lie twice. And he knows his wife is going to go into this leader's harem, and he knows what's going to happen after that. And yet he does that, and he allows that. And God never says, I rebuke you for doing that. Don't lie. That's not a good thing. He never even mentions it. Why don't he mention it? See, that's one of the Pharisees. They pile on me because they, they think, you know, if you condemn them, if you convict them, if you, if you jump on them, then I'll make them quit doing that. No, you just don't even know. You don't even know grace. If rules and regulations could get us to live right, then Jesus didn't need to come. 
Because we already had the law. We already had the rules. And the apostle Paul said, if there had been a law that could cause men to live this life, he said, God would have given it. But there was none. The law done what it was supposed to do, produce death in the hearers. The letter killeth. It doesn't wound. It kills. The law, the letter kills. But it's the spirit. That's what brings life to people. And, and you've got to focus on, on the life. Jesus is the tree of life. And everybody wants to go back to the tree of the, the rule book. Knowledge of good and evil. Tell me what's right. Tell me what's wrong. Good people go to heaven. Bad people go to heaven. You don't even know. You need to start in the epistles where the New Testament actually starts and just read it over and over until you get it. Paul preached a totally different message. Jesus taught the law to people under the law because he was born under the law and redeemed them by saying, stop trying to get right with my father by keeping rules and regulations and stop trying to judge yourself as good soul. I'm 30-fold, I'm 60-fold, I'm 100-fold dirt. Look at me. How do you get that kind of return? What do I have to do to be good soul? That's what I'm trying to tell you. Got it all wrong, man. You don't understand. It's not about good soul, bad soul, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, rocky place, hard place, tangled. No, no, none of that. It's about the sower. It's about a father who, who casts the, his grace on every person. And I'm not saying it's right to lie. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. It causes a lot of problems. I'm just saying under grace, God, that's not God's issue. God said, I'm going to take care of that. Over and over, these people that have done all this stuff, and, and you wonder how, they, how are they still blessed? I mean, look, God's still blessing them because it's grace. It's God's grace. Now, listen, I'm going to do a blog for long just to help you. The consequences of sin. I mean, sin has consequences. I get so worn out with being accused that I'm just like, sin, sin, you know, just sin again. You've got to be dumb as dirt if you listen to me five minutes. No, the, the Bible says under the New Testament, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The, 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 if you're sitting under grace, what grace does is teaches you to say no to the world and to ungodliness and unrighteous living. But yet there are people under grace who screw up big time. You're looking at one who's had a few moments like that. And if you had your Polaroid out, it wouldn't be a pretty picture. Now, you can show it to your brother and mom and them and daddy and them and everybody else and them. Okay? We were sitting out there the other night. and it was My little grandson's uh, birthday uh, yesterday. But So Friday night, he wanted to go out and eat. And so, you know, the kid's birthday, he's turning seven. He gets chick, you know, pick where he wants to uh, choose to where he wants to go. So we, we went, where do we go? Morris. So we're waiting on our table, and if you've ever been in Morris, you know they got a wall just full of Polaroid pictures of people that you know, was in there and got their picture made and stuff like that. Man, some of them pictures is ugly. But I was walking around. I had to quit looking at them because I was losing my appetite with some of them people. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, is they were some pretty bad photographs, pretty bad moments that they caught them. But you know what? They're doing the birthday thing. They just, you know, and they just stick it on the wall. They don't care, you know. You know, take a picture, you know, and, I, and my wife said, well, before you post that, let me look at it. And I watched her last night before, I, she just, you know what she done? She did this and, you know, brought it up close on her. That's what we do. It's a good picture if we look good. If we don't look good, that's a bad picture. You can't post that. <laughs> right? You don't care about whether other people look good or not. 
You just want to see if you look good. Oh, yeah, post that. I look good in that. My hair looks good. It looks good. <laughs> Again, we focus on ourselves. We look at ourselves. We judge ourselves. But God's always been a God of grace. And so, you know, you, you have to make up your mind. You have to go with this, this negative world. You have to just live differently. And you got to decide that before you leave the house. I remember the story of this man. He, he, he wasn't totally blind, but he had actually, actually been declared legally blind. And I don't know if it's illegal to be blind, but anyway, but he, he, <laughs> that's a stupid statement. Isn't it? Legally blind. I'm legally blind. You want to see my card? <laughs> I can't see it, but there it goes. I'm legally blind. You, I don't know. I guess it's illegal to be blind without a car. I don't know. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Some reason, just stand up comes out of me every now and then. Um, what was I talking about? Okay, but I remember this story. And, and so he was legally blind. This is true. And, but he, um, he was actually going to go into an assisted living uh, situation, a, a facility, and and because uh, it was getting more and more difficult for him because he could see outlines and figures. I mean, he would know that's a table, that's a chair, but he couldn't really see details, you know, of smaller things. And, and, uh, but the guy had the best attitude, best outlook. And, and, and uh, so he's walking, uh, being led, you know, to his, to his room in the assisted living facility by the nurse. And on the way, she's describing it and telling him about it. And he said, he said I like it, I like it, I like it. And she said, you haven't even seen it yet. He said, I, I made up my mind before I even got here today that I already like it. See, that's an attitude. See, this is the day the Lord has made. I will exercise my will. I will rejoice. And I'm going to choose this. I'm going to be glad instead of be mad in it. Because why? Why are you going to be glad? You ain't even seen what the day holds. It don't matter. I know who holds the day. I, I, I will rejoice. See, that, that's the kingdom. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. I won't rejoice for it because there's going to be some things probably happening that I ain't going to be happy about, but I choose to rejoice in it. I'm not going to rejoice, well, you got this disease. Well, I, I rejoice. No, that's stupid. No, I'm not going to rejoice for it, but I will rejoice in it. In the situation. Why? Because y'all just got up some. This is how we, this is how we, how we what? This is how we, this is how we fight our battles. See, because the kingdom is opposite of what the world is. So Jesus walks into Jairus' house. Now we got a 12-year-old dead girl. Everybody knows she's dead because they've done got all the mourners in there. And everybody, the house is packed. And we got a dead girl and everybody's weeping and crying. And, and, and it, is, it is a literal, physical, bad situation. Jesus walks in and said, the damsel is not dead, but she's asleep. Now that just, you know, here they go from mourning to laughing. But not because of the death of the girl, but because of the stupidity of what he said. The Bible actually says they laughed him to scorn. They laughed him to scorn. And, and, and so when they said that, Jesus said, get out. See, nobody ever preaches about that, Jesus. But Jesus says, get out. This is Jonah, get off my boat. See, you need to go and read my blog, DaleYoung.net. And then I, my name is not Dale, it's Dale. DaleYoung.net, D-E-L-L.net. 
But I put that out there. I was amazed at how many single women, you know, like high-five me on that one. I could just see them women rising up because they're like, yeah, I throw somebody off my boat here a while back, you know, whatever. I don't know. They, they were just coming out on that one. They were talking about, yeah, you know, they'd give me high fives, you know, you're like, yes. <laughs> Jonah is disobedient. He brings his dysfunction, disobedience onto your boat. Lo and behold, you start taking on water. You start having all kinds of problems. And what you do is you make really bad decisions. And the Bible says they started throwing their cargo overboard. Well, that's the reason you got the boat is to have cargo. And what you start doing is writing checks and, and, and paying bills. And, and I'm not saying you shouldn't help people. But I'm just telling you, we're in a little season where you need to just kind of wake up sometime. And you're going to need to, you know, you, you, you need to get Joan off your boat. That's your problem. Don't come to me for counseling. Okay, here's my counseling. Throw him off. I'm not saying divorce. I'm not, I'm not talking about your marriage now. It don't have to be a person. It can be a circumstance, situation. But I'm just telling you, sometimes Christians can make some foolish, foolish choices. And then they spend the next years and years and years just caught up in that. I told you, some people carry a storm with them everywhere they go. Brother Nino, come on board. Oh, shock, shock, we're in a storm. Wow. Who saw that coming? Everybody but you. And then I, I've, I've spent my life doing ministry. Oh, if they just came to my church, Brother Dale, I can help people. They need to come to my ministry. I can help them because they just got on the wrong boat. Mine's the love boat ministry. If they'll get on the love boat, I'll get them straightened out. I, just like I said in that blog, you better look at that track record, baby. They sunk boats bigger than yours. They make their living sinking boats. And the Bible said, and this is what I saw in that story. The Bible says, while they're up there straining with the oars, rowing against the tempest that's growing even stronger, throwing precious things they shouldn't throw away over, those things are not the problem. Jonah's the problem. And what does the Bible say that Jonah's doing while they're doing all of that? Everybody that's running around, he's taking a nap in the lower part of the ship. That's what they do. They ain't going to work. They stay at home watching Dr. Whatever on TV while you're out working. And then when you get home, they want to know what's for supper. Some point, I'm not saying you shouldn't help people. You, you help people. Help people. Americans got a lot of, I, mean, I love America, but we got some really messed up things going on, man. One side, we got, you know, woman's body, her choice. Take the baby. On the other side, bumper sticker says, save the seals. You worried about an owl in the woods in the northwest, you ain't worried about a baby inside the mama. See how quiet it gets. Everybody's got a cause. Their cause is the right one. And if it's something that they believe in, it's the wrong one. People can't even have conversations about anything no more. Not in this country. God ain't called us to be Democrats, Republicans, Independents. No, I mean, none of He's called us to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that's what, that's, that's what he's called us to be. And again, I'm not saying you should avoid politics. Boy, I shouldn't even be wading out in this swamp here. But I ain't got good sense. 
people talking about, uh, you know, so-and-so. Listen, I don't care who's the president, when's the president. I don't care who's in politics. It doesn't matter. Our charge by the New Testament, under the grace of God, through the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is to pray for those in authority. Pray for those in leadership. Pray for every one of them. Not condemn them and not just, and it doesn't matter. And I prayed for Obama. Prayed, and I'm praying for Trump. And whoever the next one is, I'm going to be praying. But let me, God, God don't elect nobody to no office. And that's going to be. <laughs> God didn't put Trump in. God didn't put Obama in. I know that's going to get me something. Send it, baby, send it. The people that voted put him in. Now, if you think every leader, I know you think you got a verse, but you don't. Just write me. I'll get, I'll get you straight. Now, you can go to your Old Testament where you think you got a verse that says every leader that's up there is God's choice. Well, that means God put Hitler in there. That was God's will for Hitler to be in charge and in power and be able to kill and exterminate Jews. No, ma'am. People put him in. And people have put every leader in. And God, God's not gone away, but the earth he's given to men. And the reason people win elections is, is because God has given the authority to us. And you just read your word of God on that. Now, I'm not saying God don't have any preferences. I ain't saying that. But God's got to do it through his body and through the heart of his people. Boy, it's quiet in here on that. I guess what I'm saying is you whoever you want, you better go vote. But the Lord put... Well, that means the Lord's putting everybody in there. Why are you fussing about the last president if you say the Lord's, I mean, if the Lord's putting them all in, let's just don't vote and let him, let's see who he puts in. Let the Lord do it. Let the Lord be Lord. Let the big dog eat. You know, all I can tell you, let's, no, we put him in. I'm feeling like I really should have went back to them notes about, about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> As I extract myself back from the swamp, <laughs> we have a lot of privilege and we have a lot of responsibility. But just like that guy, you, you got to make up your mind. It, God's grace is so abundant. I, I love I love the story in Acts. I think it's Acts chapter 3 that when Peter and John are going to the temple, they're going to the hour of prayer. They're at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to prayer. And the Bible says there's this man that has been lame from his mother's womb, and he's laid daily at the gate, of, at the gate called Beautiful. And, um, and so passing by, Peter and John, they, they see this man, and, of course, he sees them, and he looks expectantly, it said, at them expecting to receive something from them and uh and he's begging for alms and 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 so for money he's wanting money now there's so much in that story but i I just want to highlight this one thing peter and john you can't say they don't pray for him i mean they give him the word of god they say silver and gold we don't we know we don't have but such as i have give unto thee in the name of jesus you know i i want to just i love i'd love to take a whole sunday this ain't it 
and talk about there's so much meat in that story. But this is the point. They said, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the guy's probably looking at him like, stand up and walk. I've been like this since I was born, man. So the word of God goes forth, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And nothing happens. Come on now, let's go slide by slide. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. He's probably looking at me, I'm like, stand up and walk. I wish I could. Why do you think I'm here? For my help? I mean, you never seen me here before? Come on. And then it says, Peter reached down and lifted him up. And once he lifted him up, then the Bible says, then the strength went into his ankles and into his feet. Sometimes you got to do more than pray. We need people that will pray, absolutely. But we need people that will pray and then pull people up. We need people that will do something besides just say the word of God. That's what Jesus taught us. Don't go to a guy that don't have a coat and say, be warm, be healed, be covered, be warm in Jesus' name. You know, shikamoshanda, and walk away. God says, give them your coat, man. Take your coat off and give it to them. Such as I have given unto thee. So when he, I, I think it's amazing that the miracle happened, the miracle healing happened once he was physically lifted up. Once he was physically pulled up from that pit, from that place. We, we need prayers, yes, but we need prayers and pullers. We need to, to do both. So you're going to have to do more than pray. You've got to pull. Lift them up. Lift somebody up. You might can lift them up with the word. You might have to physically help them. You, you can lift them up. Walked out of my office here, a feel. Uh, y'all, you guys were with me, you know. I, I mean, identify you, but we, we, were, we were leaving the church, and there was a guy out there on a bicycle. And uh, so we, we, we was chatting with him. And you could tell, I mean, the brother was been on the bike a while. I forget how many years did he say, Phil, that he'd been 9, 10, 12 years, something like that, traveling the country, you know. And he, he just said, you know, I just need to find a place, you know, where I can get a bath and get a shower, you know, and, and get some food. And so I began to tell him a place downtown that I knew that would, you know, that would be available to him. And, and then I could tell it was going to be confusing about exactly where it was. And I'm like, just throw your bike in my truck, man, and, and I'll kill you. And somebody said, man, you put a guy, what, what if he was a serial killer? I kind of sized him up. I felt like I could knock him out, you know, if he... <laughs> Bro, I'll knock you out, man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know. No, I'm just being silly. But he got in the truck. I'm not telling you to do this. But he got in the truck. Because my heart just went out to him. And we got in the truck, and he said, the pastor, I'm not homeless. I choose to live like this. Okay, that's cool. He said, I just need a bath. He really did. <laughs> he really did. My wife, you know, didn't want to ride in the truck for about three days because you couldn't just get that out of there. Seriously. I went straight to the car wash thing and, you know, tried to, I mean, no offense to the guy, but I was trying to, you know, it was just pretty rough. And, uh, you know, you mix that with a little aftershave, <laughs> it just smelled like somebody messed up the aftershave, you know. But I care, you know, and so we just talked. We, we parked downtown where it would be safe to unload his bike and stuff. And, and we got out, and I said, well, let, let me, let me uh, I said, I don't have a lot of money, you know, but whatever cash I have, I'm going to give you, you know. Wasn't you afraid he'd knock you in the head once you got your one? <laughs> no. I just gave him all the cash I had. 
That's not the point. But, I, you know, don't tell somebody you're trying to help them if you ain't going to help them. So I, I gave him the cash that I had, and I said, well, let me just pray for you. You know, we got his bike out. And so we're standing there right downtown about us. You know, I don't care who's what. I'm, I'm not doing it for a show. I'm not doing it for you to film it and put it on Facebook. I'm just doing my life. I didn't know that guy was going to be there, you know. And I, and, I, and, I, and I just joined hands and prayed for him. And, and you know, he prayed long. I'm not trying to get the guy to change his way he lives and stuff. He's got his backpack on there. He told me he got saved six years ago. Got born again. He said, Lord's protected me ever all these years. He said, I've never been robbed or mugged or thugged or nothing, man. He said, I just love seeing this country. I choose to live like this. That's cool, bro. And, um, and I just said, let me pray for you. So we prayed. And so I went, you know, we was holding hands, you know, two men standing out in the parking lot, you know, holding hands. And so I went to turn loose. He said, huh, hang on. He said, my turn. <laughs> he prayed a much better prayer than I did, seriously. And, and he just hung on to me, and, and he said, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I mean, he was getting with it, you know. And, you know, I was kind of being like, you know, if you, you know, three or four cars away, you probably couldn't hear me. This brother's letting it roll. I'm like, I was feeling myself getting embarrassed. Hope no, I don't see this. He's praying loud. Father God, in the name of Jesus, when Pastor Dale takes the pulpit this Sunday, I mean, he was just letting it roll, baby. He prayed twice as long as I did. And then we got through, and he said, you know, Pastor, he said, every time I'm on the road on a Sunday, if I'm close to a church, I go in it. He said, you'd be amazed at how many churches I've been run out of. Or he said, I've sat in the wrong place and they've moved me to the back. Or they told me I couldn't be in there because I was too dirty. He said, but I don't worry about none of them churches because ain't none of them churches, no way. He said, but churches let me in and they let me worship. He said, I've gone into every kind of church you can imagine. He said, that just wherever my bike is, if it's on Sunday, I go in. He says, kind of my way of seeing if that's really Jesus' church or not. I wonder what we'd do if that dude was, you know, Tried to come in here. I wonder. Sometimes you got to pull people up. Well, there was a season in my life when I lived in another town, went to another church, and I, would, I was really trying to strive. And I, I was doing the best I knew then. I'm almost done. But I'd get up. My wife knows I went for months and months and months. I'd get up at 5 o'clock before I'd go to work. I had to be at work at 8 in Tifton, 8.30. I'd go to my home church at 5.30. Pastor had me a key. I could unlock the door and go into church. I thought that was the coolest deal of all. And I'd walk into my church at 5.30 a.m., nobody there, of course. And I'd walk down that long hall and go into that sanctuary, and I'd just walk and pray. And I'd have me a good hour or so of prayer. Man, I love that. And I thought God was really liking it too, you know what I'm saying? And I, was trying, you know, I wasn't really trying to do brownie points, but I thought I was probably getting a few with him on that. And I'd done this for months and months, and, and it'd be dark at 5.30, you know. And I pulled in there one morning to go in that side door, and I looked, and there was a homeless guy laying across the very steps. And that church had one, two, three, four, five entrances besides that one. And out of all them steps, he chose to be on the one I come in that morning, Selah. And, I, and, and so I'd have had to literally step over the guy. So when I pulled up, my truck lights, you know, kind of woke him up. And he set up, you know, and he was a real homeless guy. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I walked up and I, I said, what you doing, man? And he said, I just wanted a safe place to sleep, man, where nobody wouldn't, wouldn't you know, take me down. And uh, he said, I figured this would be the safest place, you know. And I had a little bit of a shelter. 
And he said, do I need to leave? And I said, no, man. I said, listen, I'm going to go with him and pray for about an hour. But I said, I want you to hang right here. And because um, and, he said, I need, a, I need a bath. I need food. And I said, I'm going to carry you to Brother Charlie's Rescue Mission in Tifton where I work. I said, they'll take care of you. And I said, you just hang out. Let me go in and pray a little bit. That'd be all right. He said, go on, preacher, and pray. And he thought I was a pastor. I wasn't. I went in and prayed, you know, sun's up now. I come out. He got in my truck. Man, this guy, you know, he thought we was in the book of Revelation or something. I remember he started telling me about Revelation and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. And somebody had really filled his head with a lot of stuff. And I said, man, let's don't talk about all that. I said, I won't get into arguing about whether the tribulations happen or ain't happen. I said, I just want to tell you, man, Jesus loves you. And I said, because all them steps you could have been on, you was on mine. And I said, this ain't here no accident. God's got something for you. And we talked for 30 minutes all the way to Tifton. And I carried him into Brother Charlie's rescue mission, and they took care of him and helped him. Well, what did that do? I don't know. But he's worthy of the word of God being cast on him. I don't care what kind of soil he is, if it's rocky, hard ground, tangled up, messed up, addicted, whatever. He's worthy of the word of God. And sometimes we, I think we miss that because we're so focused on trying to be good soul. Am I 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold? Quit trying to get interest rates, man. I don't even know what I'm saying today other than this is just out of my heart. There's things you can do, yes. I mean, don't do things that makes you unfruitful. Don't get tired of cares of this world. The cares and deceitfulness of riches. Don't get caught up in all that stuff. But ultimately, it's not about us. It's about the sower. And, and it's about his amazing heart and his amazing faith. Do you believe that God has faith? And he'll throw that seed into places that the church would fuss about it going. But he says, I'm the sower. I own the seed. And I'll throw it where I want to. And there's not one of them that's hitting, the seed's hitting, that I don't have faith to believe that it can find root, it can find places, and it can sprout in their lives, and it can change their lives. And that's the story of the parable of the sower to me. That's the heart of God. And I just pray that, that I don't know what this done for you on this Father's Day. And I love these fathers. I love men that will stand up and take responsibility and, 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 and love women. You know, the, I... I Told them, I've always the greatest thing a father can do for his kids is love their mama. <laughs> love their mama. And just love one another. And, and just, just walk in the grace of God. Man, people's going to mess up. People are going to be people. And that's going to be stuff that, you know, like I'm shaking my head as we say. You know what I'm saying? I just can't feel. I mean, what happened? I don't know. It's human people. Okay, what you going to do? Take them out back and shoot them in the head? I mean, what you going to do? You say, I love you, don't like what you did, but I absolutely love you. Because you're my brother and my sister and we got the same daddy. And just walk home with God. Righteous man falls how many times? But he gets back up because he knows why. Because his righteousness did not come from him. And he was righteous before he fell. Church hates this one. And he was righteous after he fell. And he was, at, he was righteous while he was falling. And, and the son was a son when he lives at Papa's house. And the son's still a son while he's on the way to the righteous living. And the son is still a son while he's in the pig pen eating slop and corn. I mean, if that's your diet, man, have at it. You'll get sick of that after a while. 
And God didn't put you in no pig pen. You built that. God didn't throw you in a pig pen to make you serve him. God don't torture people. You built that, dude. Your decision. You had the money. You made the choices. That's why stuff stinks around you right now. But God still loves you the same. He wants you to come home. Better food. Better care. And when you come home, nobody's going to shove it in your face. Nobody's going to put you on probation. Everybody's going to say, the Father loves you, son. I'm, I'm not sitting on the porch with my arms folded saying, I knew you'd come back with nothing. No, that's not God. That's how religious folks talk to one another, but that's not how God talks to sons that have messed up. God says, welcome home, son. You were dead. You were alive now. Here's the robe, righteousness. Here's the ring, the authority. Here's the shoes because you're not a slave. And, and, and so let's, let's have a party. Let's get our party on. Kill the fatted calf, crank up the band, let's, let, let's, get, let's party. See, the, hey man, come on, y'all can't even say, y'all scared to say amen. The guy just blew it, he just got back home, he lived like a crazy person, and, and, and his papa says, let's have a party. Who you think that father is? That's God. Jesus is telling that. Well, I think he should have been set aside. What, that's your problem. You got to understand the heart of the sower. Who got mad? The only person who got mad was the brother, the elder brother. And he wouldn't. It said, it said the elder brother would not come into the party, so the father went out. I love that. It's because he wouldn't go in. The father come out. <laughs> that's, I love that. You know, I guess that's only me. But the father goes out, and he's like, "Man, come on, bro. Why don't you come in to the party?" He said, now, I've been in church every Sunday. I ain't missed a Sunday. I'm a faithful tither. I do everything you've asked me to do. I've worked and worked and worked in this ministry. And now here this rebel comes home, and now you throw him a party, and you ain't never throw me a party one time. You know why? Because he's revealing his heart. He's working for everything he gets. He don't even understand grace. He thinks it's paycheck to paycheck. He says, son, all I have is yours, and it's always been yours. You could have a fatty calf party anytime you want one. All you got to do is say the word. Come on in to your brother. You know why that story is so cool? Jewish people kind of understand that with their culture. But when a father, when a son like that goes, goes rogue on them, whose responsibility in the Jewish family now, not Bible, Jewish family, is it to go after the son? People say it wasn't the father. Why didn't the father go after him? It wasn't the father's place. The father's old. It's like David one time went out to battle and about got himself killed. David's trying to fight like he's a young man, and his soldiers around him said, No, this last time you won't never be on the battlefield again. Lest we lest the light of Israel be eliminated. So you stay home, you read the maps, tell us where to go, but you ain't coming on the actual front lines no more, David. Is that in the book or not? So it's kind of like that with the father. You don't send the father to a foreign country to go get this young son, this rebel. You know, rebel. You send the elder brother. The elder brother leaves and goes after him. But this elder brother refused to do his part in being the Jewish family that he was, and he never went one time after his brother. The elder brother negated his responsibility. But I'll tell you, we have a heavenly father. We all went rogue, and the elder brother in heaven, which is Jesus, left heaven and came and went after every one of us who went rogue. 
And that elder brother, which is what he's called in the New Testament, did not negate his responsibility. And that elder brother came and went after and pursued every one of us. He said, Papa, you stay here. I'll go get them. And he went after every one of us that would allow him to bring us home to Papa. And that's the heart of the gospel. Amen. Did anybody get anything out of this today? Would you stand to your feet? There's your Father's Day message. Hallelujah. Jill said, you preaching a Father's Day message? I said, I don't know, kind of, sort of, maybe, I don't know. And it really was that way, wasn't it? <laughs> now I got notes for next Sunday, though. Hallelujah. I'm ready to go for next Sunday. Already. We love you guys. Just smile real big. You got a wonderful sower who is the father that has sowed his word, his valuable self to every one of us. There's not one of you that's not worthy of the word of God. I don't care what you've been. And I want you to quit judging yourself today. I'm hard soil. I'm rocky soil. I'm tangled up. Do you understand that's not the point of the story? The point is get your eyes off yourself and try to figure out how to categorize and get in a be good soul. Jesus never encouraged anybody. Now listen now, I told you all that parable. Y'all try to be good soul. No. He said, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about my papa. He's going to throw seed in unexpected places. He's going to throw his grace in unexpected places. He's going to throw his mercy and his love in unexpected hard places. And there's not a place that you'll go or a person that you will meet, whether they're homeless choose to ride their bike all over the country, whatever, what we know. You got to be careful what all makes you mad. I'm not saying you got to like everybody, what they do. And I ain't saying that. But you do got to love them, man, in God's grace. You, you, you just, you got to make up your mind before you go out in the day. I'm going to be positive today. Maybe you need to clean your windows. Maybe it ain't her laundry problem. Maybe it's your dirty windows. Maybe stop talking about them. Go over and help. She don't know how to do laundry. Teach her how. Some people just don't know. I don't know why to go out with it. People, a lot of people ain't have never had a father. They ain't had a mother either. Why don't they raise a kid? They don't, people even know, they don't even know. They ain't never had nobody to help them raise a the kid. Why don't you take that screaming young and out? I mean, nobody knows. There ain't nobody helped them. You'd be surprised what people don't know. But just to have somebody say, you know what? Just throw your bike in the back of the truck. I'll kill you there. Pray, yeah, but pull them up. Stick your hand out. Such as I have, give out of thee. Everybody here's got something. You got money? Give money. I gave the guy what I had. Such as I have, I give it thee. How much you have in your wallet that day? Ain't none of your business. My wife and I went for many, many years, decades. I always kept a $100 bill hid, not from her, <laughs> in my wallet, to give away. I made a decision one day. I said, God, I'm going to take this $100 bill. I'm going to stick it in my wallet. And I'm going to always have one in there. By your grace. And you tell me who to give it to. Well, $100 ain't much. It is some people. I don't know how many times I've been at the gas pump. I, I'm not trying to tell you this. I'm just trying to exhort you on. And I'm sitting over there filling up that 36-gallon truck. And cars are pulled up on the other side with bald tires. 
and go in there to get $3 worth of gas. I can't do that. I ain't going to tell you everything I ever do. Ain't none of your business. I'm trying to hide from my left hand doing from my right hand. But many times, I see them go in there. I've said, how much are you getting? $5. Man, the gas is two sixty-four. How much are you going to get for that? Drain the hose? Come on. I don't say that to them, but just hand them 20 or I don't know, man, if it's a happy little bit, but just hop back one and get you some more. I've had so many times, even what I'm doing now puts me out more. Don't even tell my wife. Because I ain't about that. She knows I'm sweet anyway. <laughs> I tell her what I do. But them tears are running down their faces. And I've watched them turn around and walk back in that jiffy store. And hand that man some money and come back out there and stand there with tears while they filled that car up. Well, what are they going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I ain't try to get them saved. I ain't ask them if they go to my church because I'm, I'm in Thomasville. I'm in a different town. I'm not asking them that. I just want to love on them a little bit. Everybody in this world needs a little help every now and then. And they need to know that everybody ain't mean. And, and everybody ain't like everybody else. And I mean, we just need to knock it off, man. I sat there and watched my apostle in my network, Benny Calloway. Just two weeks ago, we buried his wife. 49 years old. I love that man. I didn't go to dinner to, so I could put him on Facebook or nothing, but we love him. He knows I love him. <laughs> my looking at daughter's eyes, Hannah and Kayla. Like about, they, you know, ain't, their mama's gone. And I didn't know that we were sitting with him last night, and we just want to have a meal with him. If they really more my wife's than, than me, just felt compelled to do it, and we did it, and we were having dinner. And he said, you know, Pastor Dale, he said, Father's Day was always the biggest holiday for us. He said, we did more on Father's Day than any other holiday. And uh, I didn't know that, see. I just reached over and put my arm on his, my hand on his arm, and I said, Happy Father's Day, Pastor. My wife got in the truck last night, and she said, you know, uh, Father's Day is a really big deal. I'm so glad we did this. Just to reach out for a little meal and watch them girls eat and have a big time. And I haven't got to be around them that much, you know. I love them. Love them. And they've been with me for years, 10, 10 plus years. Why didn't God heal? I, man, I ain't got to answer all that. My wife today talked to a person that ain't even in their 50s, telling my wife this morning on the phone, how to do her funeral. Wants us to do, wants me to do her funeral. And we don't want to talk about her funeral, but she's been battling cancer for years. She's having brain surgery in the morning for a tumor to be removed. She's my spiritual daughter. You know, my wife told me a while before we left church, she said, my nerves are so shot. But she said, I could not, not take her call, her lying in the hospital. Nobody knows what's going on in everybody's lives. And ministry is real. And Jesus saw John the Baptist beheaded. You heard about it. That's his first cousin. How many know Jesus loved him? The Bible says when Jesus knew that John the Baptist had been killed, murdered, he went up to a mountain alone to be by himself to pray. 
He's there all night, and he doesn't sleep a wink. He comes down from the mountain as the sun comes up, and he's greeted with thousands, I mean hundreds, 5,000 men, not counting, a multitude of people who want something from him. And Jesus does not send them away disappointed. That's ministry. When you feel like you ain't got nothing to give nobody, somebody be standing there with the hand out. It ain't your strength. It's not your might. It's not our power. But it's our faith in the one that's a good sower. And say, Papa, I'm fixing to sow the seed. Well, they look like they're hard, hard. I'm going to throw the seed. They look like they're all tangled up in the dip. I'm going to throw the seed. They look like they're good soul. Praise God, I'm going to throw the seed. I'm, I, see, listen. It's not based. God doesn't throw his seed, his love, his grace, his mercy, based on what he thinks he'll get back. That's religious thinking. God says, it's not about what they produce for me. It's not about the return, but it's about my heart for them. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word that you have thrown abundantly of grace cast upon all of us. And when our hearts have been rocky and hard, trampled, rebellious, rogue, tangled up with cares of this life and deceitfulness of riches and pursuing everything but you, you still throwed your word. Thank you for that, Papa. Thank you for being such a great sower. We love you. Help us to know that we're loved by you. And we pray today that the word of grace would fill every heart in this place. In Jesus' name. My, usher, uh, my elders come, my community usher, my community, yeah, let's take an offering, glory to God. <clears throat> my community group leaders come, and I, we, we're just going to stand here to dismiss you. And uh, again, happy Father's Day to all of you. We love you, man. Hope somebody treats you sweet today, buys you a good lunch or something. And, uh, but just, just be that living body out there. Do whatever you want that God puts in your lane to do. Okay? Y'all okay? Y'all received the word today? Amen. Hey, listen. We're here. We're standing here. And we are delighted to pray with you for any reason. Greatest reason that I think anybody can receive prayer is to receive Jesus. Receive him. And to receive his life and be born again. So we'd love to do that. Be here with you for that. Uh, and whatever you want us to pray with you about. If you don't, that just means we're all going to go and have our lunch a little sooner. But we're here for you to serve you as elders of this house. And we love and appreciate each of you. Amen.